The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. Coming up, inspirational author and speaker Christine Kane challenges us to change our posture so that we can move past our past. See, when I'm down here, I'm looking through these gates and I'm looking at the future through the prison of my past and so I never step into the future. But if I want to see the future that God has for me, then I've got to stand up so that I can see the potential and the possibility that lies ahead for me. Next on Life Today. share this time with you. I'm James Robinson. Betty and I welcome you to Life Today. Christine Kane is with us. Mm -hmm. And Christine is going to talk about literally something that I think, frankly, Betty, it keeps too many people in bondage, caught captive by your past, literally in prison to something that's happened in the past. I honestly believe that you're going to hear something from this incredibly gifted woman, this great teacher, that may enable you to break free from something in the past that is painful and that has held, held you in many ways captive. I also believe that it's going to be something you can share with someone you love because you know they too have been held back by something in the past. Here's Christine Kelly. Would you welcome her? Remember, I'm your like Aussie cousin from down under, and um, it is so nice to be up over here with James and Betty, who I love so dearly. And um, thank God for this opportunity to talk about uh, moving past our past because that's what we want to do. If you're going to step into the future that God has for you, you have got to move beyond where you are. And the only way to move beyond where you are is to deal with where you've been so that you can step into where you're going. So we're going to dive right into the Word together. I love the Word of God. And um, if you've just joined us, you've been flicking channels and you didn't mean to get me and you thought, what is this accent here? Um, this is kind of how you really speak English. I'm from the land down under Sydney, Australia. And to all our Australian viewers... Um, at Life Outreach International. Hi, and I'm so glad I'm one of us. It's fantastic. But um, I'm actually teaching from America where they say y'all, and so I'm learning to y'all, y'all. So we're going to go to Second Kings from the other parts of the world that say two kings. I've had to learn how to say Second Kings. So we're going to go to Second Kings chapter 7, and uh, we'll start at verse 1. The Bible says, Elisha said... So here we have the prophet Elisha. Elisha said, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says. About this time tomorrow, a say of flour will sell for a shekel and two says of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. So I want you to know where we're going to be. We're going to be at the gate of Samaria. The officer on whose arm the king was leaning said to the man of God, look, even if the Lord should open the floodgates of heaven, could this happen? You will see it with your own eyes, answered Elisha but you will not eat any of it. Now, there were four men with leprosy at the entrance of the city gate. They said to each other, why stay here until we die? If we say we'll go into the city, the famine is there and we'll, we will die. 
And if we stay here, we will die. So let's go over to the camp of the Arameans and surrender. If they spare us, we live. And if they kill us, then we die. Now, this is profound philosophy right here. And so I want you all to know if you're on the other side of the camera and you've never really uh, studied the Bible at all, it, it actually isn't that complex as you just realise. So here we are and the Bible says that we're sitting at the gates of Samaria. You might really be wondering why we're sitting here. Well, if you go back to chapter 6, what happened here was Samaria was in famine. Syria had besieged Samaria. There was great famine in the land. In fact, it was really, really not in a good place. You know, the famine was so bad in Samaria that they were eating donkey's heads and they were also uh, cooking children and eating children. And it sounds very depraved and you think, how could someone ever do that? But, you know, my husband and I are involved in helping to rescue the victims of human trafficking and much of that happens in places of abject poverty and famine. And it is amazing how many people will sell their own children in an effort to maybe keep other children alive. And, it's you know, as a mother, you wonder how this can happen. But that kind of famine and that kind of depravity, it causes us very often to do things that we would otherwise never, ever do. And that's what famine does. So you're right here, you're right in this situation, in a time of famine... Um, a huge war. There's no food. We're at the last of the last. Now, the prophet Elisha has turned up and said the famine is going to end by this time tomorrow. But these four lepers do not know that the famine is going to end. And so we pick up the story essentially where they're sitting there and the Bible says that they're sitting at the city gate. They're sitting at the gate of Samaria. Now, these are four guys with leprosy, if you understand anything about this time in history. These are the least of the least the most marginalised of the most marginalised of all people groups. I mean, you could be sitting on the other side of this screen and feeling like you are a nobody. You were born into the wrong family. You live in the wrong neighbourhood. You don't have the right education. You are marginalised. You might have a disease that has put a stigma on you and it's said that you are never going to amount to anything. You're not going to be any good. You've got generations of addiction in your family, generations of brokenness, generations of abuse, and you feel like a loser and you feel like the least of the least. Well, these guys were all that and more. In fact, in this time in history, if you were a leper, you'd have to literally walk down the street and scream out, leper coming, leper coming, so that uh, people would cross the street and not walk on the same side of the street as you. And you could go to different cultures in our society today and it would be the equivalent of that with people that suffer from different diseases or perhaps uh, live in different neighbourhoods. And it's almost like I'm not even going to walk down the same side of the street as that person. And so... These guys had no rights, no property, no nothing. But they were sitting there, and I love it. I love it because they were profound philosophers. So as they're sitting at the gate of Samaria, they don't know that the famine is going to end in 24 hours, and they're having this great discourse, and they ask a question. And really today, I want to talk to us all about the power of a question. If you are going to move past your past, you have got to ask some questions because if you don't, you are going to sit at the gate for the rest of your life, of your past. But they said, why stay here until we die? I love this. If we stay here, you know what? Absolutely, 100%, we are going to die. There is no issue. That's a given. If we go on the other side of this gate into Samaria, where there's war and where nobody is surviving, if we go in there, well, best case scenario there is a 0.01% chance that we might die. So if we stay here, 100% chance we're going to die. 
go there, 99.999% chance we're going to die. Awesome. So here we die, there we die, everywhere we die, die. We die. <laughs> and so they ask this great question. They say, why are we sitting here? And I guess my question today to you is, why are we sitting at the gate until we die? I don't know what your gate may be. The gate of fear, the gate of insecurity, the gate of shame, the gate of lust, the gate of greed, the gate of apathy, the gate of indifference, the gate of pain, the gate of shame, the gate of abuse, the gate of brokenness, the gate of regret. There are so many people that spend their whole life sitting at this gate going, I can't move. This is what happened to me. This is my situation. And we sit at the gate somehow waiting for something magical to drop out of heaven until we can somehow maybe get through. Or really what we do is we look at it and we look at this gate as the exit point, as, as basically the end point of our life. I'm stuck here. Because you know what? I come from a background and a family of addictions. And in my family, we've got five generations of addiction. That's just the way it is. I'm stuck at the gate of alcoholism or I'm stuck at the gate of drug abuse or I'm just stuck at the gate of divorce because that's just what we've always had in our family or I'm just stuck at the gate of immorality because that's just the way it's gone in our world or I'm just stuck at the gate of this is the job that I have to do, this is the profession that our family does or I have made so many mistakes I cannot get past what I've done. I cannot get past what was done to me. You know, I, I sat at the gate of of abuse and victimhood and pain and shame and regret for so many years of my life. I sat there thinking, how can I get through? You know, all these other people have this great future and they have this great destiny, but if they only knew what happened to me, there is no way I, I would sit in meetings or I would watch people even at school and, and they would appear to be popular and they would appear to have all these opportunities and I would think, uh, somewhere deep down, I knew that there was this sense of, of more inside of me, but I thought, you know what, I can't change it because I can't change what happened to me. I thought that that meant I can't change the future. I thought I'm stuck with where I am because of what has happened. And this gate that actually could have provided and has provided the doorway to my future became a prison that kept me bound in my past. And if I'm to move this chair, this is normally what happens to most of us. Most of us sit here and we're like the lepers. We sit at the gate of our past. We sit here and everything we look at on the other side of this gate is uh, we're looking at it through the prison bars of what happened in our past because that's what these bars do. Whether this is abuse, whether this is addiction, whether this is regret, whether this is shame, whether this is guilt, whether this is lust, whether this is condemnation, whether it's apathy or indifference or greed, we sit there. So we look, this is the lens through which we look at our future. It's always marred by what happened in our past. And we are sitting there, but at some point, we have to ask the same question that the lepers asked. And this was the question I had to ask one day in my life. Why am I sitting here? If the promises of God are in Christ Jesus, yes and amen. If Jesus Christ truly did shed his blood on a cross and rise again from the dead, why am I sitting here until I die? Why am I allowing the labels that other people put on me to keep me sitting at a gate in famine? What is the worst case scenario? If I get up, you know what? 
maybe things will change. If I get up, there might be a future. Worst case scenario is it's not going to be any worse than where I am right now. I'm bound, and most of us, this is where we live. We just stay locked in the prison of our past, and God has said, I've got a gate, and I am the gate, and that's who Jesus Christ is. I am the gate into your future, but you are so busy looking at your future through the prison bars of your past that you are just stuck at a gate and you have turned it into a prison door and I mean it to be a doorway into a future. This is not the gate of the end point of your life. This is not where it all ends. This is actually what you're supposed to step through to move into your future. But how do we do that? Because this is where the real challenge comes. The way to get up and move through the gate of our past into the future that we have is that you have to change your posture. But you become very comfortable sitting because we've just learned to live in that victimhood. Well, you know, poor me. I'm full of shame. I'm full of guilt. I'm full of... It's not my fault. I was abused for 12 years. Well, no, long, no wonder I can't submit to male authority. No wonder I don't want to, you know, I can't move into the future. No wonder I have so much pain. No wonder I'm so angry. You know, I have a justifiable reason. And what we do is we stay in prison by what we presume is a justifiable reason because something happened to us in our past and we limit ourselves and we never move past it because we refuse to change our posture. Because the only way you're ever going to change your perspective is by changing your posture. Now, in order to change your posture, you've actually got to stand up. And the challenge is, most of us don't want to stand up. Because when you stand up, it changes everything. See, when I'm down here, I'm looking through these gates and I'm looking at the future through the prison of my past and so I never step into the future. But if I want to see the future that God has for me, then I've got to stand up so that I can see the potential and the possibility that lies ahead for me. Now, to change my posture, it changes my perspective, but to change my posture entails a lot of pain because you get stuck here. You know, I had a, a ski accident a couple of years ago and I had to have a uh, surgery and I had a hamstring graft. And I've got to tell you, um, it was extremely painful. Now, the scar tissue that had built around my knee um, it, was, it was built around there so that it could protect me. And what happened, though, it had just locked up my knee. So after the surgery, I remember the, uh, the PT came to me and he said to me, Christine, you have got to get ready that the pain of the recovery that you're about to go through is going to be far greater than the pain of the injury that you had. He said the, the degree to which you are willing to embrace that pain is the degree to which you will find full function and full movement in your knee again. If you are willing to allow me to keep breaking up that scar tissue, you're going to be able to run again, you're going to be able to ski again, you're going to be able to soar again, but you've got to be up for it. It's going to be extremely painful. So when something's gone from being just locked up like this for months to all of a sudden you're going to unlock it so that it can bear the weight of your body again, so that it can have full movement again. I don't know if you've ever gone through that kind of injury, but having two children was far more pleasurable than going through a rehab on my knee. It really was. Maybe the epidural helped for that. But anyway, the point <laughs> is they don't give you an epidural for your knee. And so he had to break up that scar tissue all the time. And my leg would move degree by degree. But the degree to which I was willing 
to embrace a degree of change all the time was a degree to which I was able to stand up and I'm a, I went last year, I was skiing again and you know, with some fear and trepidation, but I was skiing again. And the truth is a lot of people never go back to full function, not because they can't, but because they won't embrace the pain of the healing. See, we want our healing to be overnight. We want it to be instantaneous. There's a lot of things that took a lot of time to get us to the gate. And then we got stuck in the gate and because our posture became one of victimhood and I can't change what happened to me and it's not fair, we end up just sitting here for the rest of our lives. Now, our life continues to move forward when it comes to years, but nothing's changed on the inside. We're still locked within this prison. Every decision we make and it impacts for those of us that are married, our marriages. It impacts our parenting for those of us that have children, for those of us that are single. It impacts the relationships that we have and we just never get beyond this gate. But at some point, if we are willing to embrace that pain of changing our posture to stand up, you've got to be willing to stand up and to say, God, I'm going to allow your Holy Spirit to come in and to begin to heal those broken places where scar tissue has developed and kept me crippled and immobilized at the gate of my past, whatever that might be, the gate of that addiction, the gate of that brokenness, the gate of that shame, the gate of that abuse, the gate of that guilt, whatever it might be in your life and saying, I'm going to embrace the pain of changing my posture. Now, when I change my posture, it changes my perspective. So where I only once saw limitation, I'm now starting to see possibility. I'm now starting to see potential. You won't even see the possibility that God has for you until you change your posture. And a lot of us are not willing to change our posture. So we listen to the word, but we listen to it through the prison of being down here, locked in a, a jail. And so everything we hear and everything we see is impacted through here. So God's trying to make us stand up so that all of a sudden we hear different things. All of a sudden we see different things. And where we saw containment and limitation, now we see potential and we see this awesome future. Once you start to see a glimpse of what might be ahead for you, then that gives you more courage and strength to embrace more and more of the healing process. What the enemy tries to do is to keep us down and cowering so we never get a glimpse of what God might be able to do for us. Oh boy, thank you, Christine. And the enemy is crafty and he knows how to keep you cowering, defeated, and too often believing the lie. Father, I pray you take the truth that Christine has just shared and you begin to free people from the past. And even let those experiences and circumstances in some way propel them forward in freedom and as a witness to others. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for giving us an opportunity to share with you gifted people like Christine and all of our guests. And thank you so much for helping us. Betty, we're going to show our viewers in a few minutes the very first thing that captured our heart on the mission field. And that was to see precious children desperate just for food. And our viewers have literally enabled missionaries to save the lives of millions of little children and give them a future. I want you to look at those that never make the headlines, but I promise you, God notices and we're the ones 
he expresses his concern through. Watch this very carefully, but also prayerfully. Each day, we're bombarded with troubling headlines about different tragedies around the world. And unfortunately, events ranging from natural disasters to terrorism claim several hundred innocent lives each month. But beyond the headlines lurks one of the world's deadliest killers. It has become so common and proficient that it is no longer considered front page news. Each day, thousands of children under the age of five die from the effects of malnutrition. These children weren't victims of an act of war or just in the wrong place at the wrong time. They simply didn't have enough food to eat. The early effects of malnutrition can be seen in the children's hair and skin condition. Later, their bellies will become painfully bloated. And if they still don't get enough food, a child will end up in a malnutrition clinic, or even worse. This doesn't have to be. There is a simple solution. Life Outreach and its mission partners are providing life-saving food to hundreds of thousands of children. This daily bowl of nutritious porridge is the difference between life and death for these precious children. Be a part of the good news and help save a life today. Because without your help, this overlooked tragedy will continue to spread pain and devastation around the world. Those painfully emaciated, suffering, starving children are not just loved by their family and their mother. They're loved by God. And God uses us to express that love. Those are truly poor people. They have no hope if we don't offer it to them. I want to say a very personal word of thanks to you right now. I want to say thank you for not turning away because if you know Betty and James and you know anything about life today, we share life today in word, in teaching, in testimony, but also in deed. We don't just talk about it. We share the love of God in action, in deed, in more than words. And you have stayed to watch. You didn't look away. Those little children that don't make the headlines have somehow captured your attention, certainly God's, but Betty, we're the ones that give attention to the things God cares about. We're the ones that meet the need. And I'm asking you if you would please make a gift today to help us feed those precious little ones, to get them even before they get to that terrible state of malnutrition, which we're supplying the needs for those incredible clinics too. When I say we, viewers of life today, people just like you. But if we can feed three, five or 10 children for 30, 50, or $100, we do that for the next several months. Betty, we've got some friends that said they will match what we give for the first 50,000 children, for 50,000, which means that $30 will feed six, 50 will, will literally enable us to feed 10, and, and 100 will give us the opportunity to feed 20. And many people will actually give $1,000, and that goes from 100 children to 200. So the love of God through some of our friends is doubling what people want to do. And I'm believing everyone notices those children who watch. And I think everyone watching can say, I will help 
feed some of those children. I'm, I'm believing that. I believe you will, too. We've shown you some of the worst situations, and it breaks our hearts, and I'm sure it breaks your hearts. We want to show you the results of you reaching out and show you the good that comes from you helping these precious children that will starve and get in these kind of situations if we don't help them. I like to show you the smiles. I like to show you the children jumping around and playing. You can be a part of that. Please join with us and let's feed these precious children. And you know, Betty, we know for a fact that many of the children whose lives we saved 20 years ago, 25 years ago, many of them are leaders in communities and even in cities now, in impoverished nations that have been digging their way out like Mozambique. Some of them are actually teachers and even some college professors who were dying when you reached out and lifted them up out of that state. Would you right now go to lifetoday.org, take your bank card, and make the gift God puts on your heart, knowing that whatever you can do will be doubled in its impact? Could you give $100? Could you give 30 or 50 Whatever you can do, it's going to mean a difference to those children we're reaching out to. You can dial the number there and take your bank card and make the gift. If you want to write a check, make it to life, because that's what you're giving. But call and let us know. You're putting it in the mail. Thank you so much for doing that. Thank you for responding to that incredible heart cry and that great need. In remote and impoverished areas of Angola, Africa, families are suffering, crops have failed, there is no food, and those hit the hardest are the children. In response to this crisis, Life Outreach has received a 50,000 children challenge that with your help will feed and minister to 100,000 children over the next few months. With previous food reserves gone and Angola facing a severe food shortage due to crop failure, this challenge could not have come at a better time. To help replenish supplies for the feeding programs touching the lives of children across Angola, Mozambique, and Sudan. The 50,000 Children Challenge means more children can be saved and your gift will have a double impact, helping to feed twice as many children. Your gift of $30 to help feed three children will now be double to help feed six children. Gifts of $50 to help feed five children will be double to help save 10. And gifts of $100 for 10 children will be double to help feed and care for 20 children. And with a gift of $1,000 or more, you can double your impact to help feed 200 children and also request the Majesty Bronze Sculpture, featuring a beautiful buck in regal stance, reflecting God's presence and majesty in all the earth. Please call the number seen here, write life, or go online today to lifetoday.org and make your life-saving double impact gift today. You know, I not only thank you for your response, but I want to thank these special supporters of our ministry who said, we want to challenge viewers and let them know that we will literally match 50,000 children, whatever you'll do to help with that, it'll immediately be matched. Thank you, our friends, for your love and stepping up to simply be a source of inspiration and encouragement. We bless you and we thank you for blessing others. Thanks for watching Life Today and above all, for sharing it.
Tomorrow, author and founder of Q, Gabe Lyons, shows Christians how to maintain boldness in their belief while treating others with respect and compassion. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.